Quick question for you. Are you a Federal Access member yet? If you're a government contractor, you need a Federal Access account. You can get started today with a free membership. Just visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Free members get access to about 20 documents and templates as well as our video training playbooks. More importantly, this gets you in the RSM Federal ecosystem and makes you part of our community. So go grab your free account today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everyone, Mike Lejeune here, your host as always here on Game Changers. And we have an exciting episode as always here with our good friend Kathleen Smith from clearjobs.net and cybersecjobs.com. Kathleen, uh, why don't you take a minute to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you do over there? Michael, it's so great to be back on your show. I really appreciate the time that you take to talk with me. A lot of people know me on Twitter as, yes, it's Kathleen, and I have been here at clearjobs.net for almost 18 years, and my main role is to engage the communities that we support. So that's mainly employers, cleared employers who are looking for their next candidate, but also the candidates who are frustrated with their job search and are trying to find their next opportunity or to look for ways to transition from the military or really improve their overall professional development. We are primarily a job board, but we also have job fairs because we believe that an integrated approach in recruitment marketing is the best way to support employers getting their next candidates. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And, you know, I, I love what you guys are doing over there and being so specific in this market. And it, it's such a need. And to be in the market for 18 years doing what you're doing, I think that says a whole lot. Number one, about your success, but your passion for the market. The only thing I've done for 18 years is uh, consistently be a dad to my 18-year-old <laughs> and uh, in my marriage that's almost 20 years old. So other than that, it's like, you know, in, in our career space, we've done all kinds of things because I just have all kind of interests and stuff. But, you know, I think that says a whole lot about somebody by being in the market for as long as you have. And so today we're going to be talking about something that it fascinates me, you know, when we're talking about the whole cyberspace and this in recruiting and keeping talent and those sort of things. You were talking to me about this topic about refreshing and rebooting your talent acquisition pipeline. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what that means? And we'll kind of dive into kind of some of the questions around that. Happy to. So what's interesting is we have done two surveys in the community, in the cybersecurity community over the last year, because there have been a lot of observations that I have had about the way the community has been operating. We hear all of these reports about there's the shortage, that there isn't talent out there, that there is a difficulty of employers finding talent. Yet for the last six, seven years I have been volunteering in the community and I can't tell you how many of these wonderful cybersecurity professionals are banging their heads against the wall saying I can't find a job mm. I can't I can't get an employer to get back to me I can't get through the interview process 
So anytime someone would quote me one of those shortage reports, I would say, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. I think that we have basically a failure to communicate, to quote Jack Nicholson. I mean, I think that there is some of this new technology that is getting in the way of our our basic recruiting and retention strategies. So we actually did one survey that talked about community volunteering and how people in the community were working on their networking skills and developing their non-technical skills and how they really felt about their employers when they were given support to get out into the community. And then we did a companion survey to that, which really challenged what were the problems that job seekers were having in the community finding a job? How did they find a job? What were the things that employers could do to be able to help job seekers who are trying to connect with them? And a lot of the results were very fascinating in the sense that more than 45% of the respondents said they don't know how to find a job. Hmm. You have to remember, we don't really teach job search you know, anywhere in college. We sometimes teach how to write a resume, but the people who are maybe teaching how to write a resume in college are not getting input from people who are actually doing the hiring or doing the looking Mm. for the resume. So there's a very big disconnect. We asked one of the questions was, what were the top three strategies that job seekers were looking for? The number one was ask friends. So they're looking for the referrals from their friends, and we were saying, hmm, okay, if you have a very small group of friends, either on Facebook or on Twitter or on one of the social media platforms, the choices are going to be very limited of people who are going to be able to refer them in. The other was 79% said that they would you know, search for companies they already knew. So we're talking about branding, we're talking about employer branding, companies that are maybe in the community, maybe active in the community, they might have a better advantage at hiring candidates than someone who is not part of the community. And third was 78% said that they searched online job postings. So we're going back to something that is very common sense. Are you writing your job descriptions in a way that people who are looking for that job would be enticed to follow through with applying for that job? Job postings still seem to be a major communication challenge because a lot of job seekers are not finding the job postings that match the skill sets that they're looking for. We also asked what were what were the most preferred ways that job seekers wanted to work with a company? And over 72% said that they wanted to work directly with the recruiters that worked at the company. Only 4% wanted to work with staffing firms. So it's a challenge when in cybersecurity we have so many new staffing companies popping up who may know the technical abilities of the candidates that they're hiring for and might better understand the job postings. By and large, the job seekers really want to work with someone who works for that company. So we're talking about needing to go and talk to our recruiters about better understanding the community, better understanding the technologies that they're hiring for. Yeah, you know, you you said a lot of things here that I already have a lot of questions and comments on. And 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, one of them just being about the job posting. So I was I was telling you just before, you know, I've, I've got a daughter who just turned 18. She actually just started her first job on Monday. And it, it, it was one of those things where uh, she she we live in a small community. Uh, there's uh, some volunteering opportunities that she's been doing in the community. And those led to her finding out about a job and that got her in the role. She was literally the only person they interviewed and they hired her straight off the bat. And but when we were looking, we also looked at other opportunities like she thought about moving to Nashville and other different places. And we started to look around. And when I was looking at the job postings with her, I'm like, this is mind numbingly boring. And (laughs) it's one of those things where you're going through the job postings and you're like, did people just sit down and say what's required on the degree to do this job and just took a couple of sound bites and threw together? Because this doesn't sound like the job description for the title. It it just it sounds so bland or or so generic or whatever it may be. So the job descriptions just weren't weren't really great. And, And when she looked through a lot of these things, it was just this sea of opportunities. But it was just it was so confused, such a confusing space. And, uh, and so I, I think what you're talking about sort of applying across the board in the job market, but you're really seeing it in this one where, you know, I'm an engineer. A lot of us engineers are sort of introverts or whatever it may be. We don't necessarily get out and do a, a ton of the networking and stuff, uh, that, that may be possible or may be needed to go and get some of these jobs. And, you know, you see a posting, you feel, uh, you know, I, I call it like that Tinder whole uh, mentality that people have. You know, they swipe left or they swipe right when they see a lot of these job descriptions. And because it, it either fits them or it doesn't on some level. And then they just move on without questioning it to, to any degree. So it sounds like there there's a there's a, this massive disconnect when there may not be a shortage because on the other end, you're saying, there's all these people that can't find jobs and there's all these people who can't find people. Uh, you know, a, a friend of mine who did a podcast for us a while back, he, I was after the podcast, I said, is there anything I can do to help you? He was like, man, if you know any cyber folks, I'll, I, he's like, I don't care if they literally just got their certificate last week, we'll start them. And it was something somewhere in the 75, $80,000. We'll start them right there. We'll right away. They'll quickly move up into the six figures. Uh, but he's like, we can't find people. We don't. We can't even find people to interview, and right. you know, they're just just having such a challenge with it. And so, uh, I'm I'm wondering what what some of the, as as we say in the business, what some of the silver bullets are to overcome this for the job seeker as well as for the company that's trying to hire these people. Because you know, we're, we're talking about rebooting and refreshing the the pipeline here. You know, how do they go about doing this when there's such a disconnect? between the two well so going back to the job descriptions and job postings you know this is a lot of people keep throwing the baby out with the bathwater and saying we need to get rid of them and when we're talking about the cleared space we're always going to have job postings that are going to be generated straight out of the government contract and that is where one of the problems happens within the government contracting world is that people who are taking those job descriptions from the contract and putting them directly into the job posting and not understanding what they need to do to fill in the blanks or massage it so that it is more of an outreach vehicle rather than just a duplicate 
application from the contract. And we mm. work with our customers several times with that because there's usually a big rush, like we just got this contract, we need to get a butt in a seat, you know, within 10 days, just post it, we don't care. Right. And that is, you know, that is not the way to look at the job postings. The second part, from a job seeker standpoint, we tend to see that people sort of glance at a, a job posting and they're like, that doesn't quite, I don't either quite fill those skill sets or that doesn't quite interest me. And what we found since we you know, just said that job descriptions are not, or job postings are not written very well, if there's less than 50% that really intrigues you about that posting, still apply because it is the beginning of a conversation. It is the right. way to get the initial phone call. A lot of people think that the application and the job posting is to hire someone. It is actually not. It is to start the conversation. And once you have started the conversation, that is when you can, as the job seeker, really get more in depth and asking those questions, asking what is the role really about? How does someone become successful with this? And it is also the time for the company to really build the candidate experience, really say, this is, we want to be very transparent about our process. These are the things you're going to be looking at coming to work for our company. When we did the survey, the top three job search trouble areas, one was job seekers didn't know which companies were hiring for their specific skill set. And this is understanding that people, we all believe that we have one set of skills, but we don't understand the various different titles that those skill sets come through. Mm. And I think this is one area where we're having a lot of the disconnect, where someone may say, I'm a systems admin, and someone else is looking for a knock analyst, or they're looking for a reverse engineer. I think it is better to just say, let's have the conversation. Let me explain what the job is, what the team is, what the skills are. And you tell me, candidate, what you're really passionate about. Because what we're seeing is the disconnect is a misclassification of the skills and the duties that people are going to do. But one thing that we're clearly seeing within the cybersecurity field is you have to have a passion for security. You have to have, you know, the inquisitive mind and then the people that will go through and complete the job when all the way until it's done, not just sort of leave it halfway in between. That kind of drive, that kind of inspiration is what is making the best cybersecurity professionals. Companies can train you. They can give you the certification classes. They can give you everything you need to become a great professional. But do you have that drive and that you know problem-solving skills that people are looking for? Another, another top job search trouble area was determining the next step in their career for a job seeker because this is one thing that we don't do in any company, which is we bring in a really great candidate and then we don't think about, okay, how are we going to keep this person with us for five years? What are the different stages of their career? We're not going to put them in this one cubicle and this one hole for the next five years. We should have a plan on how they're going to progress within our company. And 
part of the responsibility for that is on the job seeker as well to say, I'm going to work for company X because I can see myself in several different stages of my career at this company. And the candidate really needs to drive those questions. And the third trouble, um, the third top job, job search trouble area was finding the right recruiters to work with. And I think this is a problem that we're experiencing that too many staffing and headhunting companies have come into the cybersecurity field just spamming and you know, sending out a lot of emails and doing a lot of LinkedIn requests that recruiter has become such a bad name. There's actually several horrible mm. videos and <laughs> social media channels about, you know, the horrible things that recruiters do. So having recruiters that are in the community and very accessible is another strategy to bridge that gap. You had some questions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just the, and those are some good answers just to that, you know, and I think looking back again with my daughter's experience, uh, and as well as kind of what I've seen over the years, it's exactly right. You know, when she actually went and interviewed for a job and when she got, as she was going through the interview, they actually offered her a different role that she liked more because mm -hmm. it was something that she thought she'd be more passionate about. Now she's, she's starting college next month and this was actually 30 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week. So it, it was actually a better fit for her. And it was, it was starting the conversation that allowed her to walk into a role that was actually better for her than the original one. And it's still in the same field, but it allowed her to do that. So that that's kind of taking your advice there without knowing it of just getting into the conversation. Cause they were like, they saw somebody they wanted and wanted to figure out, well, we don't want to put you in this job just because we need to fill this role. Let's put you in a job where you're going to excel at, you're going to stick around, you know, that sort of thing. Um, back to the, the friend I was telling you earlier, that was one of the biggest challenge they have is they would bring somebody in, in this field and get six months to a year out of them. And then that person would be like, Hey, I've got people, beating down my door for, you know, 30, 40, $50,000 a year raise. I, uh -huh. I can't, I can't say no. And, uh -huh. and that would, that was the cycle they were getting into where these people had six months to a year experience under their company. And then boom, they were out the door uh, off to do the next job for a massive raise. And so, you know, it was not having that plan of how are we going to retain these people what are we going to do to move them up through the ranks what what skills are we going to get uh you know under their belt and that sort of thing you know one of the challenges that i've seen is you know we've got a, a very i would say a very broad market in this space where we've got very young folks who are fresh out of college or even out of high school going and getting certifications and that sort of thing maybe a degree maybe certifications and then we've got people in their 40s and 50s trying to reinvent themselves and trying to get into this space. And we have a little bit of something in every everywhere in between. So we have this very wide group of people from their probably early 20s to maybe early 50s looking for these jobs. And does that do you see? any challenges with that in this market? Like, are there, are there some of those people on the older end of that where they have, they're more well-rounded, but yet they're, they're not, 
they're not necessarily marketing themselves in the right way or, you know, and then on the flip side, the younger generation where they, they may have some of the skills, but they're not marketing the, what we would call the soft skills in the right way. Either way, it sounds like a marketing problem, but I'm just curious what you're seeing with that spectrum that we have going on in this market right now. Well, one of the reasons why we did the first survey on community volunteering for career development was because we were seeing so many people in the community volunteering for organizations. And let me step back and say, I've been involved in the recruiting industry, the marketing industry, business insurance industry, and I've been involved in each one of them from a marketing standpoint. Now being involved in the cybersecurity community, I am absolutely overwhelmed with the fact that how many organizations and how many large-scale and medium-scale conferences go on in the cybersecurity community that are all volunteer-run. So hmm. when when we uh, when I started volunteering in the community because that is the way I do community engagement I do on the ground you know just engaging with people I was noticing that so many of the people who were involved in the conferences called cons were you know. 20, 30, 40 years into their career, they've been doing cybersecurity, what they call hacking for, you know, most of their life. And they were also seeing this increase in their skills by, you know, managing a workforce, leading a program, doing sponsorship drives, doing a budget. And we saw a correlation between the people who were moving up within a conference organization from being the frontline registration person all the way up to the board, there was this parallel development in their career professionally. So that's why we did the survey to say, okay, how many of you are volunteering in the community and what are the skills and benefits that you're seeing from that? So we saw that the most reported skills that people were seeing were teamwork, planning, organization, and communication. And anytime you would cross-reference that with any of the skills that employers are looking for, specifically from their technical talent, those four fall in that non-technical soft skills category. So one thing I would say for an employer who is trying to look at getting more of a professional and more skilled developed candidate into their talent pipeline to be more involved in the community because that is how you are going to build the brand that we were talking about earlier. You're going to understand the community better. And three, you're going to be starting your network of candidates who are more advanced in their careers. You're going to be getting some of the older people who are, you know, have the 10 to 15 years experience that a lot of us are looking for. But this is also a place where if you are just starting out your career, it's a really great place to go and volunteer at your local meetup or volunteer at your local conference that is going on to one get those skills two to also get familiar with the industry and three to be able to expand your network because a lot of people are saying you know i want to expand my network but at the same time i don't know how to do it and as you were mentioning earlier engineers tend to be introverts well a lot of the people that i meet at these various different conferences they 
are introverts and they use the conferences as a way to connect with people that they only know online or to hmm. up their up their certification training or learn new skills or be part of a competition so that they can see what's really groundbreaking out there in the community. Yeah, you know, when when I looked at what was out there just cuz I've been interested in this space for many, many years. And I think I was telling you probably last year, uh, my daughter was graduating from high school and she, we were talking about college and she was talking to me about, you know, what are your experience with college dad? And I'm like, well, I haven't been in college since, you know, 2004 and, uh, and I'd stopped and, and I, I went back and looked and I was only six classes away. And so this past year I actually finished my degree and while I was getting it done, they kept bringing up, oh, do you want to get, you know, the cybersecurity certification on top of it and this kind of thing? I, I don't know. And, uh, you know, you reach out to a lot of people and ask questions because I'm like, it'd be nice. But this is that's not really where my career path is headed. Right. As being a business owner and doing what I'm doing. But when I went and looked at it, just because, you know, you keep your mind open, see what's out there. It blew me away at how much stuff was out there. How many conferences, how many things, how much the technology was just constantly evolving. Um, and so I, I can see how confusing it is to one, even figure out what certifications should you get? What do employers want? Even if you have a particular interest, whether it's in, you know, forensic accounting or whatever it may be. You know, where do you where do you go for that? And then there's so many sources out there on the Internet uh, of places to go and do that. And then you get into the conferences and, you know, which ones do you go to? And it, it really does seem like you need to have somebody in your back pocket as almost a counselor to say, let's talk about what's going on here. Let's figure out a good career path. Let's figure out what the certifications are, uh, you know, that you need. But let's figure out a starting point. You know, you don't have to you know, apply for this conference and these six certifications and get these two degrees, you know, this year, you can start somewhere on a path and then, Oh, by the way, what soft skills do you need? You know, do you feel like you're a good communicator? Do you feel like you're good with teamwork? But it, it, it seems like there's a gap in the market between the, the employers and the employees of someone who can fill that role to say, Hey, this is, this is what you should do. This is your stepping stone. We're going to guide and coach you through this. And then on the other side, <laughs> talking to the employers of here's how you guide and mentor these people to keep them around. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it seems like there's just some gaps there. So maybe, maybe this podcast will help both sides figure out some of those gaps. Well, there is, there are several resources out there that will tell, will help you, uh, be able to map out which certifications you might want to look at. One is put out by NIST called cyberseek.org and it really has a sort of career pathing if you're just getting into the career, getting into the industry and you want to look at the various different job titles and what are the certification programs that you need to look at. And several of the certification programs like the CISSP 
you need to have already been doing the work for five years before you get that degree. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of com- there's a lot of conversation constantly going on about which certifications do you need? Are they really important? Are they of value? In the government contracting community, you do have to have several different certifications to do the work. So being clear that if you're looking at the DOD 8570 and there is a new rendition of that, that lists the 12 to 14 different certifications that you need to have to do specific work within government contracting. But also understanding that not only are certifications a way to enhance your job search ability or being able to move on in your career? It's also being part of the competitions. And competitions, CTFs, Capture the Flags, have been around for over 25 years. And those are really great ways for a professional, a job seeker, to learn the skills that are really cutting edge because there's always going to be a new problem, the newest problem, the newest challenge that's out there that is going to be part of the CTF. And the CTFs happen online, they happen offline, they happen in various different communities. You can do a wireless one, you can do a crypto village one, you can do one that's you know, hacking into uh, an election booth, hacking into a car. So there are many different ways to build your skills when you're in the competitions, but it's also a really great way to expand the network, but also learn different industries. So if you're saying, you know, I might want to do something in biomedical or I might want to do something in cyber policy, there are competitions and CTFs for each one of those industries. Yeah, no, that's a great suggestion. And let let me ask this. So I I assume when you are in those competitions, you're working with other people. So that's one question. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you'll be working with other people. So sort of networking and that sort of thing. Um, How do people go about finding those uh, other than just maybe just a Google search to find those that are out there? So, yes. um, What I like about a CTF is I make sure that people list that as their work experience. Oh, that's a good idea. On our job board, cybersecjobs.com, we actually have a field in your profile that you can list which competitions you're part of. And realize it's not that you need to have won the competition, it's that you actually competed in the competition. Mm. And so, yes, the competition, I actually consider it to be similar to work experience. And it is something that a job seeker really needs to consider including that in the communication or the talking points that they're going to have in a phone interview or a face-to-face interview, because there's always going to be that question, what have you failed at and what did you learn from? And mm-hmm. a CPF is a really great place to do that. But a competition is a goal, a short amount of time, a short amount of resources, and new people to work with and a new adversary to work against. To me, that sounds very similar to any kind of immediate project that's going to come down the pipeline. So being being able to use that as experience that you talk about during your job search process, but also as a company using it as a way to 
talk someone through, hey, you know, do you like doing this competition? That's the kind of work that we do at our company. Yeah. It's also how you find these. Uh, there's a CTF or one to three different CTFs at any of the conferences. Uh, many of the competitions are also online. So it's easy enough to find a local group that's doing a CTF. There's also several classes online and in person in many different communities of people who've never done a CTF and how to get started on it. Okay. Yeah, that that's what I was going to say is I, I would assume there are some people that are like, oh, I'd love to do this, but I'm a little nervous. Do I have the skills? Do I, you know, do I have what it takes or would I be like the total deadweight anchor on this thing because I don't know what I'm doing and I really shouldn't have signed up for it in the first place. And I can, I can see some people having those thoughts and just not doing it when it sounds like it's such a great opportunity, like you said, to even just build up some of the skills, do a little bit of networking on the flip side. I can see this is a really great opportunity. If I'm trying to recruit and hire people to have someone on my team, whether it's a manager or someone like that actually competing in these as well and networking with some of these people you know if, if there's so many opportunities to to go through these capture the flag competitions and things you know get them into something that is similar to the type of work your company does and i think it'll also build up some of their soft skills with working other people while they are sort of recruiting silently in the team you know well, I think it's rather than the recruiter or the hiring manager being part of the competition, my recommendation would be the recruiting and hiring manager knowing the people within their teams and their companies that right. do partake in competitions right. and going, going and supporting them in doing this because a lot of these conferences are on the weekends. They're Friday, mm. Saturday, and Sunday. So a lot of these people are actually going to these conferences. They're learning, they're working on their skills, not only their technical skills, but their non-technical skills. And a lot of their employers don't know that they're doing this. They really? don't know that they're spending their free time working on their skills and their professional development. So a lot of, you know, another part of one of the surveys that we did, we asked, you know, does your employer know that you're doing this? And is it one of the reasons why you stay with them? And over 80% of the participants said that they stayed with their company because their employers supported them being involved in the community, involved in volunteering, competing, presenting. So this is a really great way to have retention of your technical talent. But you need to ask that question internally. Are you, are you part of competitions? Are you part of community events? What can we do to support you? How can we grow your presence and our presence within this community? Yeah, I, I think that's such a win-win. And it shows that the company cares more about you than just fulfilling the one job requirement that you have or the one contract you're on or whatever it may be to actually, you know, push your profile up in that community, as you said. And so you can network with people and, and, uh, speaking is a huge thing. Anytime you're a speaker, that's definitely going to enhance your position in that community, but it's also going to expose that company a little bit more too. You know, if you, you know, if Michael Lejeune from RSN Federal is speaking on a cybersecurity thing at a conference, people don't just hear my name, they hear our company as well. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think it, I think that says a lot as well to the audience 
to say, oh, well, this company is, you know, clearly supporting their employees coming and doing this sort of thing. I wish my company did that. Maybe right. I should work there, you know, that, that sort of thing. So it, it seems like such a great way. And, you know, I would think that a lot of employers overlook the fact that, yes, they are engineers. They are introverts. However, they're also people. Right. And, and, and people, regardless of how introverted you are, still have this need to connect, still have a need to be in a community, still have a need for, you know, just the conversation and the challenges that come with it that are outside of the day to day. You know, it's it's not just the the three or four people in their little work group or team that that are enough for them. They need to get out and, and do these things because to me that that would re-energize me in in the field if i was doing that to get out and do these competitions even come close to winning even if you don't win uh but just to to do that and and build up that camaraderie with new people in the community because the the one thing i've noticed even if i go to conferences that have four and five thousand people which we speak at a lot of those like the national veterans conference and all that every year uh, you see a few new faces, but you see a lot of old faces. Uh-huh. And then you go to the next conference that isn't even connected to that. And you're like, oh, hey, didn't I see you at the National Veterans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you're connected with this community because you're all kind of going through the same conferences and doing the same things. And it's not everybody. But, you know, by the time you've gone to like the third or fourth conference and you see somebody, you're like, you know what? We should have drinks afterwards. Are you going right. to the, the this or that or whatever? And so you start to make friends. I have people I only see at conference. I see them three or four times a year. And, you know, that's when we get together and talk about different things. Sometimes they become clients. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they refer clients. You know, sometimes we refer clients. And it just, But it, it, it does build up that community. And it's one of those things. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over time. And it happened over, you know, con- consistently being a presence in those spaces. And so, you know, that's, I, I'm going to turn it over to you for final thoughts in a moment, but I, my big takeaway from just our discussion today w- was looking back at how people try a lot of strategies, don't get a lot of success right away and then dump them. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about strategies here today that are, are so community based, so people oriented and those things just, they don't happen quickly. And, and that, that's my big takeaway from listening to us talk, right? Listening in the back of my mind of, of how you just need to stick with those things, stay in the community, get involved in the community. Because, again, it's one of those things where people will say, oh, well, I've been going to this conference for you know six years and I really don't feel like I've expanded my network. And I'm like, tell me what you do when you go to the conference. And they're like, well, I go to, you know, 30 sessions and, you know, I eat lunch and do that. What do you do in the evening? Oh, I'm so tired of going back to my room and crash. Like, how about you go to 10 sessions next year and you go and do some networking and go shake some hands and meet some people, go down to the vendor area, talk to those people, have conversations. Because if you're just going from session to session and you're not speaking to anyone, you're missing a huge part of the value of these conferences. And so that that that's just as as we're going through, those are some of the thoughts I was getting. So what I'm gonna turn it over to you. What are some of your final thoughts on this this topic of, of refreshing and booting your pipeline? 
Well, building upon what you were saying as far as going to conferences, I would actually say volunteer at the conference as a different way to be re-energized in your career. One of the statistics that came out of our survey said that 98% of the cybersecurity professionals found their volunteering fulfilling. Hmm. And that really gives you a good nugget to say, I need to get more of my teams out volunteering and I need to support them so that I can retain them. Another statistic was that 94% of the survey respondents felt that their volunteer work had a positive impact on the industry. And when you're looking at cybersecurity, we talk about so much negativity and so much fear and so many things that are dark and black. It's so great to know that there are professionals who are in the community who feel that they have a positive impact. Not much of our work can we say is fulfilling or has a positive impact, but if you're a company that is supporting your employees getting out into the community, you're going to retain them and they are going to expand your talent pipeline so that you can recruit more of the talent that you're looking for. Yeah, no, I, I love that. You know, To me, volunteering is one of those things where when you're volunteering for an organization like that, you can do things that are so far outside of your comfort zone because uh, it's just it's a different atmosphere than what you're normally in. And you can actually build some skills like it, there's not a lot of engineers that get a chance to speak. You can moderate something even if you don't even if you don't have a session, maybe you can moderate someone else's session or, you know, some sort of, you know, talk of some sort. Uh, you know, so there's some opportunities to do that to kind of ease your way into speaking on stage and that sort of thing, which to me, it, anytime somebody says, what's the fastest way to grow my career? I always say speaking. If you can go speak anywhere, anytime somebody will allow you, that will take your career to a whole new level. And so to me, volunteering is a great way because uh, I've worked at a lot of these conferences. We don't often get to volunteer because we're there speaking. They have us keynoting and doing different things. So we're running around giving three, four, five sessions and then trying to attend to a few and then do some networking. But, uh, you know, if you've got an opportunity to do a little bit of volunteering, what a great way to, you know, again, enhance your presence, not only for your company, but you as an individual, meet some folks, expand your skills. It's really kind of an, an all-around way to kind of boost you as as a professional in this space. So great suggestion, great great discussion overall. I, I love talking to you about all this stuff. And to me, this is one of the topics I could talk about for hours because I've always been interested in this. I've always been interested in, in the cyber world and what it has to offer. And I'm one of those crazy people that think, oh, maybe I should do this in my spare time. Like <laughs> I have spare time as a, as a business owner, which I, th- I think you actually sort of talked me out of that last year <laughs> off of that ledge when you're like, this is a big commitment. You know, this is not something you're going to do. Uh, you know, again, it, it, it's something that I've just always been fascinated with and have thought, well, you know, maybe I've got a couple hours on the weekend. It, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I, you know, it, it's funny. As I was finishing my degree, I had an info security class, which turned out to be a cybersecurity class. And it, I hated that class more than I've ever hated a class in my entire history of going to school. Uh, and so that helped, uh, you know, cleanse me of that as well. <laughs> so, so that, was, that was very good for me. But but thank you for coming on today and talking no. about all this stuff. This is always great. And, you know, we look forward to having you on anytime. Sounds great. Always a pleasure, Michael. 
Before we get out of here today, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you want to get more out of your government contracting business? Do you feel like you need an edge or some new insights? Are you just looking for maybe even some motivation in the right direction because maybe you're at a plateau? Well, if you said yes to any of those, maybe it's time you join Federal Access and you can start your journey with us today for free. Federal Access is our online training and education knowledge base for government contractors. There's everything you'll ever need to win government contractors in there, including support. But free members can start out with a couple of really basic awesome tools. One of them is our on-demand training videos called Strategy Playbooks. There's more than 60 training videos designed to boost your government skills by covering tips, strategies, market updates, and a whole lot more. And new videos are added monthly. So there's always new content coming in for our free members there. You can also get access to 12 key government sales templates and strategy documents to include a step-by-step -step market sales strategy document, a teaming and subcontracting questions to ask document and two capability statement templates. So you can just plug in your information and rock and roll from there. So those uh, those tools right there are kind of a preview of everything that's in Federal Access. Overall, there's a little over 250 documents in the system right now, but you'll get access to those 12 key documents. You'll get access to the, the 60 plus playbooks and the growing library of that is. All you have to do is visit federal-access.com forward slash join. Uh, the link is also going to be in the description of this podcast, so you can go back later and click on that, but that's federal-access.com forward slash join. So again, if you're feeling stuck in your business, if you feel like you need an edge or some new insights, or you just feel like maybe there's some gaps of knowledge that you you, you just you don't even know what you don't know, right? Something along those lines, then join Federal Access today for free, federal-access.com forward slash join. Join today for free so you can get access to all of that cool content and see everything else in there that some of the paid members get. So you actually, there'll just be a little gold lock over the paid features and you can upgrade uh, whenever you like. Until next time, thanks for joining us on this episode of Game Changers for Government Contractors. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app to get notifications of new episodes. And while you're there, we would also appreciate it if you'd take a minute to write us an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcasting app that is that you use. So thank you again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next time for lessons from our experts on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.